All right, good morning. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 67. <clears throat> and just by way of reminder, last week Kevin began a, a series for us uh, on uh, the mission and vision of Grace EP Church, otherwise known as the four pillars, the things that uh, we believe are, are most important, the things that define us, the things that explain what we're about. Uh, I think it's always helpful to be reminded of, of who we are, what we're doing, what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and as Kevin said in the sermon last week, we do this because churches have different ideas about uh, what is the mission and vision of the church. And there are lots of options out there. And we want to make sure that we're following God's orders, God's plan for his church and for God's mission in the world. So that's why we're doing this. And today, we're going to draw our attention to missions, and specifically global missions. Next month, I had the privilege to preach again about local missions, but today we're talking about global missions, and it's fitting uh, as Carter and I prepare to go to Togo uh, in a couple days. But for all of us to meditate upon God's mission in the world, God's global mission and how it's connected with what we're doing here is important, and God wants it on our minds this morning. So uh, if you've got that in front of you, Please give your attention to the reading of God's word from Psalm 67. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth, Selah. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Please join with me in prayer. Lord, we would ask now that we would not only understand your word, but that we would be transformed by it, that the purpose that you have for your church and your mission in this world would be accomplished through us and through your people scattered throughout this world. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of people like to talk about being blessed in our culture, right? Uh, On social media, hashtag blessed is a very common thing that is used, perhaps to the tune of 65 million times or more on Instagram. Uh, It's usually used to boast about one's accomplishments. I saw one yesterday by Chris Paul, who was a guard for the LA Clippers. It's a picture of himself, and on one side of the picture it says, 10th all-time assist leader. And on the other side of him, 15th all-time steals leader. And he writes, came a long way. Hashtag blessed. Uh, this is how we tend to think about it. We tend to think of it as uh, something that's coming to us. It's, it's for our betterment. It's, it's to show our accomplishments. Uh, it's often a way to brag. Uh, and there's a word, I don't know how recent this word is, but it's called a humble brag. And uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, that, that post by Chris Paul was kind of a humble brag, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but there was one that I saw 
this young woman said, so unfair. The Lamborghini dealer didn't tell me how often I would be pulled over in this car. Maybe I should trade it in for a Corolla, LOL. You know, she's boasting about her Lamborghini, uh, how, how much of a problem it is for her and that she should trade it in for a Corolla. Now, I wouldn't mind a Corolla myself, but uh, uh, humble brag. It's even uh, in the church. There's a very famous pastor who I won't name, but uh, he said, uh, this is from 2010. Uh, he said, I'm truly humbled you follow my tweets. I pray they enrich your life and strengthen your ministry. God bless all 200,000 of you. You know, he just put that in there. 200,000 people follow his tweets. But wh- if we are blessed, why are we blessed in 2017? What's the purpose of them? Why do we receive all these good things? Um, uh, natural blessings, you know, blessings of family, blessings of relationship, blessings of finances. Why are we blessed? And specifically for the church, why does God give uh, blessings to us? What's the point? Today we're going to learn about what it really means to be blessed and God's, as God's people and why it has everything to do with global outreach. So first we're going to look at the trajectory, the outward trajectory of the blessing. When I use that word trajectory, I mean the direction, its intended purpose. Where is this blessing going? The blessing is God's favor to us in Christ, ultimately. And the purpose of the blessing is to go out to the nations. Look again with me at verses 1 and 2, if you still have your Bible open. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Again, what is the blessing? You may, uh, if you've read the Bible very much before, these words of blessing that the psalmist uses at the beginning of Psalm 67 come directly from number 6. This is a blessing that's often used. In number 6, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. This blessing is uh, it's God's gracious approval and delight in us as his beloved children. Now, that may not seem like a big deal compared to, I don't know, having a Lamborghini or being the assist leader or the steals leader in the NBA. But it really is a big deal when we think about our greatest need before God. Our greatest need before God isn't more things, isn't a bigger, better family or a better house or something like that. Our biggest need before God is that he would look at us and he would approve of us. That he would look at us and say, this is one that I'm pleased with. This is one that I love. This is one that I accept. When Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned in the garden, they not only sinned for themselves and earned God's disapproval for themselves, but they represented us, and therefore we have God's disapproval now because of sin. This is who we are naturally before God. And apart from his grace, when he looks at us, he cannot look at us with favor because he sees the sin that we've committed. He sees the things that we've 
done that we shouldn't have done. He sees the things that we've left undone that we should have done. And God, as a good and just judge, cannot look at us and approve. That is our need before God, ultimately. And the blessing that we have as Christians, if we trust in Christ, is that when he sees you, when he sees me, he doesn't see the sin that we've committed. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ in our place. You may remember at Jesus' baptism, as he's coming out from under the water, the voice, the voice of God the Father says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The, sp- the father spoke these words of love and approval to his son because he was perfect. They enjoyed perfect relationship. Jesus always did everything right all the time. And God is willing to give you that approval that he has for Jesus. He's willing to give that to you if you receive it by faith. You can't receive God's approval on your own hard work or by doing right. Because of sin, we can't do right in the way that God requires. But that's why he sent Jesus to do that for us, to live the perfect life that we didn't live and to die the death that we deserve to die. And God says, I will give you his perfect righteousness. And if you receive it by faith, um, you, you will have my approval. He says, trust in my son and you will have my approval. This is the blessing that we have as Christians. Now, God gives us many earthly blessings as well, but this is the main thing that we need, the main thing that sets us apart uh, from everyone else in the world. Uh, If we have Christ, we have God's approval. But what is the purpose of this blessing? Here in Psalm 67, we see that it is to go out to the nations. I think the psalmist really got it here when he was connecting the blessing of number six and then looking back to the Abrahamic covenant uh, back in Genesis, Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country and your people and your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. Excuse me. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. The psalmist is worshiping God, leading people, leading God's people to worship him. And he's thinking about what God had promised to do through his people and that he had promised to bless them and make them a blessing to the nations. God's ways and God's salvation are known throughout the world as he blesses us and as he fulfills the Great Commission, what we learned about last week. God blesses us just, not just for us, but he blesses us so that we would be a blessing to the nations. Now what does this mean for us? First, We must receive this blessing through faith. The psalmist prayed that God would bless his people so that the good news would go out to the world. But before we bless others, we need to receive this blessing ourselves. If you've ever been on an airplane, and if you've paid attention before the plane takes off, they give the whole explanation about safety. And one of the things they say is, if there is a drop in cabin pressure... uh, the little uh, oxygen masks are going to come down from the ceiling. And if you're sitting with young children, put the mask on yourself first and then help those around you. Now, the natural thing you would probably want to do is to help the child right away, to, you know, to get the child taken care of. But if you do that, you run the risk of, I don't know, suffocating or passing out yourself 
and then you won't be able to help anybody. Uh, how foolish, I would say, to hear the news of God's blessing, to know that God approves of you through faith in Christ, that he would give you that approval, uh, and to not receive that yourself, to, to imagine that you want to spread the message of the gospel throughout the world, but not to receive it yourself. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, but God wants you to receive it. He wants you to receive the message of God's grace and to receive his approval through what Jesus has done for you. And that's why I'm here speaking. That's, this is why you hear the gospel preached here each week. It's the good news of God's grace to you that though you've sinned, God accepts you in Christ. Uh, but it's also important to remember that our church does not merely exist for our own good. We're not just here all by ourselves in South County receiving God's blessings and just living it up and just so thankful and so it, it's so awesome, you know, how we're doing. We are connected to God's worldwide mission, his plan to reach the nations. And as he blesses us, he's going to bless the nations. He blesses the nations through sending people. He blesses the nations through, uh, through finances, through prayer. Uh, he does all these things, and it's important for us to remember that God blesses us, not just for our own good, but for the good of the whole world. Next truth. So if the blessing is meant to go outward, it comes to us, but then it goes outward, what is the overflow of this blessing? What happens? Well, the nations will worship God and submit to him with joy and gladness because of his justice and his providential care. Look again with me at verses 3 through 5. The psalmist prays, may the, people, may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. So when the blessing comes to God's people and then it goes out to the world, it creates worship. Uh, John Piper, pastor in Minnesota, he said, missions exist because worship does not. God is sending out people all over the world to find worshipers. Jesus said in John 4, uh, my people will worship me in spirit and truth. This is what God is seeking, people who will worship him. And this blessing, this message of the gospel is going out, this message of God's approval, even though we've sinned, this message is going out, and it brings worship to those who receive it by faith. Why are they worshiping? Well, it says, For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. When Israel would look back and think of the ways that God has been just and the way that God has cared for them providentially, I think first in their minds would be the Exodus. When they were in slavery and God noticed it, and he said, I'm going to bring my people out. And he sends Moses to perform miracles and to do all these things. And God brought his people out of slavery. He saw that what was happening was unjust. And he rescued them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. When Pharaoh and his army made one last attempt to bring God's people back, they were drowned in the Red Sea when it closed all around them. And what happened after Israel was brought out safely through the Red Sea? They sang a song, right? Moses taught them a song and they sang. They sang, the horse and the rider, he has hurled them into the sea. 
Now, it sounds kind of morbid, right, to, to rejoice over someone's demise. But Pharaoh really represented the slavery of sin, the tyranny of death and sin. And God, as the great victor, showed that he is more powerful than them. And if he is commanding the blessing, if he is the one who is saving, no one else can resist his will. And it, was, uh, it represented God's love and his delight in his people to save them in that powerful way. And they saw his justice and they saw his providential care as he led them through the desert. When the nations hear the gospel proclaimed and receive it by faith, the story of God's people and scripture becomes their story. They were not there physically back in Exodus, and neither were we. But when we receive Jesus by faith, the one that God has sent, that story of Exodus becomes our story. We realize that it was our story uh, all along, that we were in slavery to sin and death, and God came to rescue us in Christ. And that's why we sing with joy and with gratitude for what he's done for us. So what does this mean? Well, the more we experience God's blessing the more we will worship him and submit to him. Again, we can obey people grudgingly, uh, maybe to get something we want. But when we think about the gracious and kindness of God and what he's done for us and saving us, it makes us do it willingly. It makes us worship him because we want to, not because we have to. And we submit to him uh, day by day because we know that he is leading us and guiding us and he approves of us. And as we rejoice in the blessings we have in Christ, we will be moved with compassion and a sense of purpose to reach our world that does not know God. Again, our natural inclination is to receive these blessings, these good things that come from God, and to kind of hoard them all to ourselves. God's heart is for the nations to reach out and to go to them, to proclaim the message of God's love, uh, to relieve their suffering, to show kindness, to show God's character. And as we think about the kindness that we've received, if we've received the gospel, it makes us want to reach out to other people. Uh, like we pray that it would, we would reach out to people that are different than us uh, when we tend to maybe prefer people who are just like us. The Apostle Paul understood the connection between blessing and worship and missions when he said in Romans 10, Anyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news. As the blessing of the gospel goes out to the nations, it brings joy and gladness. When people realize that what Jesus did uh, was significant, that it means something to them, that it means that God was reaching out and rescuing them even before they existed, uh, it brings joy. Uh, It brings joy to us. It brings joy to them. Uh, But how do we know that this gospel will accomplish its purpose? Again, if you read the, the prayer, uh, the daily prayer thing that Sharon puts together, it, it lists the different missionaries that we support and ways that we can pray for them. How do we know that those prayers are going to do anything? How do we know that the money that we send each year to these different missionaries is really going to do anything? 
Well, in verses 6 and 7, we see that we have the confidence of continued blessing. God's blessings already received give us confidence that he will continue to do so for our good and for the salvation of the world. Look at verses 6 and 7 with me. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now, in verse 6, the word yield is actually in the past tense. I'm not sure why the NIV translated it as a future. The rest of the verbs in this psalm are all future, but it's a past tense verb, and I think there's a very important reason for that. Uh, The occasion for this psalm was a recognition of God's blessing to them in the harvest time. And in the past tense, this, the psalmist is saying, God has yielded his harvest. God has given us what he promised. He promised to Abraham that he was going to bless us and make us a blessing to the nations. In the Mosaic Covenant, if the people obeyed, God was going to give them blessings and uh, to allow them to flourish in the land. And they're looking around and they're seeing God's blessing. And they're seeing God keeping his promise. And as they saw that, they realized, okay, if God's keeping his promise right now, he's surely going to continue to do it. He's surely going to make us a blessing to the nations. Even as they looked around and they didn't see perhaps very many of their neighbors repenting and believing in the God of Israel. But I believe that's the point. If we see God's blessing around us, and again, that first blessing is we ourselves receiving the gospel. If we can say, God has sent someone to preach the gospel to me, and I believed it, as hard-hearted as I am, and as not deserving as I am to receive it, if God has sent that to me, and now I believe, and God is working in my life, he's going to continue to do that, and he's going to continue to reach the nations as we pray, and as we send people, and as we go. Listen to the words of Revelation 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So what reason do we have for continued confidence in God's blessing in our global outreach? Jesus said in John 10, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. That is a future tense. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. When Carter and I go to Togo in a couple days, we're going to meet believers that have been reached through the gospel. We worship the same God, and we're going to call upon him. The gospel has reached them. The gospel has reached us. And it's because Jesus opened up our ears and opened up our eyes and opened up our understanding to receive him and to see that we needed him. And again, maybe you even look at your own life and your own holiness and you think, oh man, is God doing anything? Am I really going to change? Why am I struggling with the same sin? God is working. If you trust in him, he's going to continue to bless you, to make you more and more like Jesus, to conform you into his image. And maybe you might be thinking, I don't even know if I believe. Jesus says, look to me. Faith is a gift. Look to me and I will help you. I will make you more and more like Jesus. And you have that confidence that he is going to continue to work in your life 
and we have the confidence that as, as we send out missionaries and as we give and as we pray, that all of those things are actually doing something, that God is using those things to accomplish his mission in the world. So in conclusion, why are we blessed? You and I are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. God has come to us in Christ as the ultimate blessing to save us, to bless us, to look on us with favor uh, because of what Jesus has done. Uh, Also, what we do here on Sunday mornings is much bigger than us. That's something that God impressed upon me this week that as I pray to want to do a good job as I present this message to you, it's not just about, it's not about me, but it's not even just about us. It's about God reaching people all throughout this world and using his people to be a blessing to them. And I hope that we have a renewed sense of confidence and purpose as we give and as we pray and as we go. God is good. He's working in this world. And we have the confidence in his promise and what he's already given. And we have this promise, too, from Jesus. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray to him now. Our Father in heaven, we we worship you with gladness and joy because of your salvation that you came to reach us stubborn as we are and wayward as we are. Lord, we see our need for Jesus and for him to save us. And as we have received him, Lord, we want others to receive him even to the ends of the earth. And even if we don't get to go, Lord, we can still pray and we can still give and we can be involved with what you're doing all throughout this world. Thank you that this is your mission and it is your plan and you will accomplish it for the glory of your name. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.